All right, here to kick off our new series is Mr. Andrew Hudson. Let's welcome Andrew. Thanks, Michael. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. I want to, will you pray with me just to start us off here? Let's just pray. God, we just, we ask you to continue to be with us this morning. As you've shown up in worship, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us uh, as we look at um, some of your scripture and as we pray together here later at the end. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us and love on us today while you'd still transform us and challenge us at the same time. I just pray that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm just going to take a second here and, and turn this off for a second because I don't want that to, to bother us. But we're going to start a new series, speaking of that, this called uh, Distracted Today. And uh, right about this time, yeah, last night when I said this and I turned off my phone, somebody's phone went off. And I found out later it was Michael Hansen texting Bill Carpenter. And I thought, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> but uh, if you don't know them, they're two of our pastors here. But, um, <laughs> but I was thinking about that. I mean, our, our phones, are, we're so attached to our phones. I mean, have you, been having a, have you ever had a conversation where you're talking one-on-one with a person and all of a sudden, you know, their phone goes off and they just... They just interrupt you and they just pull this thing out and you might have been telling them something really important, but whatever it is, that might, you know, they just have to check it. They just have to check it because we're so attached to them. I, I actually did it to Bill Carpenter last night after the service. He was talking to me and I didn't even think about it after I gave this talk. I did it myself, just force of habit, but we are so attached to our phones. Most of us are so attached to our phones. I think if we, if the next iPhone came out with the ability to just be permanently glued to our hand, half of us wouldn't care. We'd be okay with that because we're just on them so often. And, um, and that's just kind of the world that we live in. And we had some missionaries from Brazil here last night, and they said it's no different in Brazil. It's the same way in Brazil. You think this is just an American thing? It's not. This is a, a global thing now that we're, we're dealing with that we are we are more distracted than any other generation ever has been before us. We have constant information and media at our fingertips no matter where we go. And it can be an amazing, wonderful thing to be connected in all these ways. But one of the pitfalls is that it has made us very distracted people. And I don't know about you, but I have trouble being alone with my thoughts for like two seconds and get bored for two seconds before I take this thing out. To look at what? Anything. It doesn't matter. Anything. Just to pass the time, because I don't want to be alone for two minutes waiting in line at Starbucks. And it doesn't seem like that long ago in my life that when I'd be waiting in line at Starbucks, I'd be striking up a conversation with the person in front of me or behind me, you know, making small talk. But now everybody's on their phones and nobody's talking to each other. And um, you know when you go to a restaurant and you sit down and there's a, you order your food and maybe you're with your family or friends and, and there's that you know, few minutes, 20 minutes, maybe longer if it's a real busy night at the restaurant where you're waiting for your food to be made and there's nothing to do but talk to each other, right? What do you see sometimes now? You see whole families and they're all on their devices. You know, parents are on Facebook College kids are on Instagram and Twitter. 
High school kids are on Snapchat. Little kids are on the Disney Junior app on those indestructible things that you could run over with a tank and they still wouldn't break. I know my kids have a few of those. And nobody's talking to each other. Unless, of course, you count texting back and forth as count as talking. I remember, I, 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 I'm victim to this. I remember not too long ago, sitting with my, my wife and my kids at dinner, and it was like, I wasn't even thinking. It was like subconscious. My phone came out. There must have been a lull in the conversation, and, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm looking at a picture of a, of a guy I knew in high school that I haven't seen in 15, 20 years. And he's, it's a picture of him and his wife and his, and his kids, and I'm about ready to, to put a comment, oh, how, look how great it is with you and your kids, and I am literally avoiding interacting with my own wife and kids. And I got a great look. When I looked up, my wife was like, what are you doing? But I didn't even think about it. It was just like a filler, just like a force of habit. I was reading a a news article the other day about a restaurant owner who was taking 50%, 50% off of his customers' bills if they were willing to place their phone in a basket when they walked in the front door and they could pick it up when they walked out, 50%. And he said, I had to offer 50% because if I offered 10% or something less, nobody would have done it. Everybody would have been like, nope, that's okay. I'd rather have my phone just in case. Just in case something important happened in the next 20 minutes, half hour of my time. I, I want to have it there with me. And, and the more distractions in our lives have led to human beings, this is interesting, actually having shorter attention spans. Do you know this? That our attention span has actually gotten shorter over time. There's been a few studies where they've studied different animals and different species of animals and to figure out their attention span. If you want to go ahead and throw up that next, that next chart up there. They've studied chimpanzees and they, they found that chimpanzees have about a 20 second attention span where if they are you know, focused on an object, on average it takes about 20 seconds before some outside stimulus will distract them. And they've studied goldfish, and goldfish last about nine seconds. Nine seconds, goldfish, before they get distracted. But does anybody want to guess what human beings are? It's eight seconds. Eight seconds. Our attention span apparently used to be 12 seconds before the mobile technology age, but it's now it's dropped to eight seconds. So when I look at that, I think, wow, that means if I had a staring contest with my son's goldfish named Seaweed, I would lose every time. <laughs> every time he would beat me. I, that, I think that that's quite sad, but advertisers and marketers, they know this. They know that they have less time than ever to hold our attention before we will move on to something else. And so they market accordingly. They plan accordingly. Did you know that the, the, when TV first came out and they first started using it as an advertising tool, they started first putting commercials on TV, that every commercial slot was 60 seconds long, every single one of them. In the 1970s, they started introducing 30-second commercials. In the 1980s, or 15-second commercials. And now we have... 10-second commercials, five-second commercials, and even one-second commercials. One second. The very first one-second commercial was by a company called Master Lock, the combination lock company. They showed a lock that had been pierced by a bullet still working, and they zoomed in on the logo, and that was it. One second. One second. Because our attention spans are so short, 
And it's like this cyclical downward spiral because the more and more we, we are distracted and the more distractions we have, that causes our attention spans to get shorter. And the shorter our attention spans are, the more and more easily we are distracted and down and down the rabbit hole we go. And, and I think, you know, for a lot of us, the, we would, might think, you know, the answer is, you know what, that's it. Let's just turn off our devices. Let's turn off our TVs. Let's just go back to living like Little House on the Prairie. And while that sounds enticing, I, I don't know that that would really solve our problem. Because the reality is, is we've always been distracted. Human beings have always been distracted. It's part of our human nature to be easily distracted. Even back in the very first century, in the first century, when the, when the disciple, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, one of his main guys, he warned his early, the early followers, Christian followers of this in his very first letter when he wrote this. In 1 Peter 4, 7, he wrote this. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded. Other, other versions of this verse talk about, be, therefore, be focused or be free from distractions. Why? So that you may pray so you can be connected and in conversation with God. This idea that, that he saw in the early church that they were struggling with praying because they were distracted. And they didn't have, you know, iPhones and all this stuff. And yet they struggled with it. They struggled with being connected to God. And on one hand, that comforts me to know that that's, it's somewhat a normal part of life, that this is something we're going to deal with. I mean, even all throughout the Bible, you know, we see story after story of God's people, you know, they, they get distracted. God loves them and he shows them so much. Uh, he cares for them and he protects them. And then what do they do? They get distracted and they wander off. And then he calls them to repentance and they repent and then they come back and then they do it all again. They get distracted again and they go follow some other God or some other idol. And over and over and over again, we see this story. I think the real problem is that, it's not that we're distracted, it's that we're okay with being distracted. It's that we actually seem to like it. That there isn't something in us that goes, this isn't right. For some of us, why do we like to do this? I think for some of us, it's an escape. It's just easier. It's just easier. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I don't want to have silence because it's when I'm in those moments that the parts of my life that I don't want to think about come to mind. The struggles of my life come to mind. My, my imperfect marriage, my worries about my kids, my, my you know, disappointments at work. And I don't want to think about those things. And so I'd rather just distract myself. Back in the 1600s, a famous mathematician and Christian named Blaise Pascal wrote this way, way before you know, the technology age. Look what he says here. He says this. Being unable to cure death, wretchedness, and misery, men have decided in order to be happy to not think about such things. That we are happier in the short term if we can distract ourselves in whatever way, whether it's social media, TV, from thinking about the parts of our lives that we don't like to think about, the parts that are out of control, it's just easier to avoid them. And it's been said that ignorance is, is bliss. 
And I think we could also say that distraction is bliss. That when we are distracted, it just makes things happier in the short term. But, but ultimately, our distractions are hurting us. They're hurting us. They're burning us up. I used to have this old Ford Ranger truck, and it was a stick shift. And I don't even know, can you even get stick shift cars anymore? It seems like you probably can, I, especially sports cars, I'm sure. But, but it was an old, it was a stick shift. And anytime I, and it didn't go very fast. It was, it was like a four-cylinder, probably ran on two or three cylinders at that point of its lifetime. But, but I remember anytime I would have to get going fast, like get on the freeway, I would, I would leave it in second gear or third gear for a really long time. I'd rev that engine up really high so I could accelerate really fast and cut somebody off, you know? And, um, no. But I would, I would do that and keep it. But if I just left it in second or third gear the whole time I was on the freeway, I'd burn my engine up. I'd burn it up. One time I remember I was riding in a car with a friend and we were, we were, we were going about 55 and we were like, something is majorly wrong with your car. <laughs> Something is major, like it, it's starting to like smell. It seems like it's getting really hot. It is making a weird sound. And we drove 20 minutes home doing this, just praying, praying, praying. We make it home and we get, pull in the driveway. And we, he goes to look down at, at the shifter and realizes it had been in second gear instead of drive the whole time. It is amazing we made it home and that car didn't you know, die and they stranded. And I, I say that because I think for some of us, I think for some of us, we, we're living so distracted lives that it's like we're driving in second gear all the time because we crave the acceleration. We crave that fast pace, the constant media, the constant noise, but what we don't realize is that it's burning us up and we don't know how to shift to another gear. We don't know what to do about it. And, if, and yes, there's nothing intrinsically wrong or sinful about taking a mental break now and again, about scrolling through Facebook and entertaining ourselves for a few minutes a day or watching an episode on Netflix. But have you ever noticed that Facebook never ends? You never get to the end of it. Like it just goes on and on and on. It's not like after three hours of scrolling, not that I've ever done that, um, but you know that you... That it's like, oh, you should take a break and go to spend time with your family now. You know, no, it doesn't do that. Or on Netflix, you're watching a Netflix episode. What happens at the end of a Netflix episode if you watch Netflix? It just says, next episode starting in 15 seconds. And I can never find the remote in 15 seconds. I don't know where it goes in between the, the beginning and the end, but it's always stuck in the couch cushion. And by the time that 15 second rolls around, the next episode is starting, and I might as well watch it. You know? It... I got off track there. Okay, never mind. Sorry. I don't know where that was going. But we, the problem is, is when this becomes our norm. That's where I was getting at. The problem is, is when this becomes our norm. And see, our culture celebrates and encourages this distracted lifestyle, and it disguises it as multitasking. And multitasking is a, not a bad thing, but in a true multitasking, but what we, what we lie to ourselves is we think we're doing a great job when we can do all these different things at once. When, you know, like imagine I'm at home in the evening and I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'm commenting on friends' posts and then I'm, I'm answering three or four or five different text messages to five different people and I'm talking to my kids at the same time and I'm watching SportsCenter on TV and I'm checking the, how the NASDAQ closed for the day and I'm doing all these things 
at once, and I feel good about myself, but the truth is, is I'm not really doing any of those things well. And no one is getting my best. My kids aren't getting my best. You know, my boss at work isn't getting my best. My spouse isn't getting my best. And God sure isn't getting my best. And if this becomes our norm, there's a problem because it is not the norm and how God communicates with us. It's not how God communicates with us. God is not gonna send you a Facebook friend request tomorrow. And if he does, you probably shouldn't accept it. It's probably a scam. Right. And he's not going to start following you on Twitter or whatever you know, social media you, you like. But, but if we can't stay focused longer than a goldfish, then how are we going to learn to pray and listen to God's voice and make time for him? Look, go ahead and put this next image up here. I think, I think if I asked most of us in the room, I think most of us would say that things like prayer, reading our Bible, worshiping God, that these things are foundational in being connected with God. That these are things we should do regularly that we value. I think most of us would agree to that. But in reality, what do most of our days look like once we throw in work and kids' soccer and dishes and mowing the lawn and Facebook and March Madness, and my niece's birthday party, and exercise, and late night emails, and one of the kids tries to flush crayons down the toilet. <laughs> that ever happened to anybody? And on and on it goes. And look at that, look at the picture. What can you not see anymore? What is, what is buried in all of that? Where is the time for prayer? Where is the time for reading the word of God? Where is the time for worshiping? It's buried in all that distracted mess. And I think that many people want to know God. I think they do. I think they really are open to having a relationship with him. But because he isn't popping up as an advertisement on their computer screen, and he isn't sending them a text message, they're getting so distracted. We, I am getting so distracted that before I know it, I can go the whole day and spend no time with God, sometimes longer. And this series that we're starting today, we're calling Distracted, is, I think, so critical because it's such a real relevant challenge in our culture today. We are so dis disconnected from so many different things, so many different ways, we're, because we're so distracted. We're disconnected from our communities and our churches and our purpose and our God. You know, and our mission statement here at the Vineyard is that we want each and every one of us, each and every one of you, to grow and being connected in those four ways. Grow in being connected to your community, to this church, to your purpose or your calling, and being connected to God. And, and so over the next four weeks, we're gonna talk about these things. And today I get to focus mainly on overcoming our distractions so that we can be connected or maybe reconnected and reconnected and reconnected with God. But how do we do that? How do we connect or reconnect with God and overcome living in this distracted world that doesn't seem to be changing, at least not in the direction that might make it easier? Well, the first thing I think is, and this is the first point in your notes, is that we, need to, we have to recognize what our core distractions are. We have to know what are the specific things that distract us, you, me, and we have to acknowledge them. Let me, let me give you this analogy. Um, 
it's easier to see our reflection in a mirror than a window. Let me explain what I mean by that. If I'm looking in a, in a mirror, my focus is on myself. It's on the good things I like about myself. It's on the not so good things I like about myself. But the focus is on me. I'm looking at myself. And yes, there might be things happening in the background, people walking by, things going on. But I'm, my, goal, my focus is on me. But when I'm looking through a window, my focus is on what's on the outside. I'm looking at all the people going by, all the things happening. But if I look really hard in that window, I can see my reflection. I can see myself. But it's not where my mind first goes to. See, life is like looking through a window and not a mirror. It's like looking through a window and not a mirror. Our natural tendency is to see everyone else and everything else and get distracted. But we have to take time and we have to ask God to show us our own reflection in the window, to see our own distractions. And we all have different core things that distract us more than others. For some of us, it's sports or it's our kids or it's social media, it's the news, it's health. What distracts you from connecting with God? I think if most of us if we could ask God to help us see our reflection and recognize just one or two, one or two main distractions, one of the two things that is negatively affecting our relationship with him, I believe he would meet us in a big way and, and, and show us what those are and help us to change that part of our lives. The Gospel of, of Luke, in Luke 10, we read a story that I think illustrates this point really well. If you have a Bible and you want to open to Luke 10, or we'll put it up on the screens here as well. You can use your phone, too, by the way, to look at <laughs> your Bible. It's a good thing. <laughs> but this is a story where Jesus is, is talking with these two women, these two sisters, Martha and Mary. And look at this interaction that he has with them. Famous story. A lot of you know this. In Luke 10, verse 38, he says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And it keeps going here. Um, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Martha. I always think of the, you know, Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha was distracted from what was the most important thing, being connected in relationship with God with Jesus. She's distracted by making sure that the house is clean and the food is prepped and there's beds are made. And she's trying to be a great hostess. And in her eyes, Mary is being lazy. In her eyes, Mary is this distracted one. And I'm sure it surprised Martha when Jesus actually lovingly corrects her and says to her, you're the one who's distracted. See, there's only one thing that's most important, and it's being with me. Mary has actually chosen correctly. 
But it takes Jesus speaking into Martha's life. It takes him speaking into her life for her to recognize her own distractions, that she couldn't see herself. Martha's view on life sounds an awful lot like our culture. Just go, do, 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 go, 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 go. And I believe that Jesus is saying the same thing to us that he's saying to Martha. Martha, do you see that you're actually the distracted one? That you're worried about all these things, but really you should be focused on me. So put yourself in this story. Imagine Jesus is talking to you. Do you see that you are the distracted one? Do you see the areas that are keeping you from being connected with Jesus? Is maybe it's something to do with your house, chores. Maybe it's your kids, your job, your, your boat, social media. You fill in the blank. What distracts you from a relationship with God? We, we have to start here. If we can't identify what these things are, what our core distractions are, then we won't ever move on to being more connected with God because these things will constantly be pulling and tugging us away. And I'm not saying these things are bad. Don't hear me. Your kids are important. <laughs> you know, work is important. These things, taking care of your house is important. Staying up to date with loved ones on social media is not a bad thing. But the things that, they're like the things that Martha was doing. See, Martha was, was doing what, a, what was expected of a, of a hostess in that culture. She was, she was doing the housework to make sure that her guests were well taken care of. But it takes Jesus pointing out that she missed the most important thing, and that's, that's being with him. But it's not enough. It's not enough, though, for Jesus to reveal to us our core distractions that are getting in the way. See, we have to also respond to them. We have to respond to them in faith, and that's the next point in your notes. We have to do something. We have to step out. This, by the way, is the main reason why most people have trouble changing anything about their lives. They know something is off or wrong, but they don't persist in responding to correct it. Like we all know, we all know that we're supposed to eat healthy and exercise to take care of our bodies. We know that. If you want to lose weight or tone up your muscles or lower your cholesterol, you have to do this kind of stuff. But what happens when we say it's Monday and you're like, that's it, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to do this. You know, you get up early on Monday morning, you go for a walk before work, and then you eat a salad at work, and you, after Monday's over, you feel great. You feel like, I can do this. And then Tuesday rolls around, and you oversleep, and you skip that walk. And then at lunchtime at work, you know, the company orders in from some local greasy dive, and it's free food, and you got to eat it because it would be rude not to. And it's like by the end of Tuesday, you're, you're back to where you were. Nothing changes. But what if, what if you met with your doctor this week and he or, she, he or she said something like, I've got some serious news. If you don't change the way you eat and start exercising, I don't think you're going to live more than a month. I think if our doctors told us that, we would take it a lot more seriously. See, I don't think most of us, myself included, I'll put myself in there, realize how serious our distractions are in disconnecting us from God. I don't think we realize that. We think it's not a big deal. God and I are fine. I think if we only knew a tenth, a tenth of how much our distractions are keeping us from, from the amazing, fulfilling 
connection that God wants to have with you and me, we would, we would go all out in changing things. See, if we aren't connected with God, if we are disconnected from him, we are disconnected from the source of life. We're di- disconnected from the vine. We're disconnected from living water. The, the Bible has all these different phrases to describe this. Being connected with God is everything. It's everything. We aren't fully alive. We aren't really alive at all if we're disconnected from God. The story of the young rich ruler is a famous story also in the Gospel of Luke where we we see kind of this play out. We see Jesus and this young go-getter who's got power and wealth and, they, and this guy comes up to Jesus and he wants to have, he, he's asked him, how do I get eternal life? How do I be connected with God forever? How do I do that? And look how it starts off here in Luke 18. In Luke 18 and verse 17, it says the, this. As Jesus started on his way, a, rich, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And and it goes on, there's this dialogue between Jesus and this man about all the things the man has done right, all the commandments he's followed. But at the end, look what Jesus does and says to this man in verse 21. It says this, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. And he said, this one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And at this, this is the saddest verse in the Bible, I think. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it. Jesus says to the rich young ruler, if you want to be connected in relationship with God, if you want eternal life with God, you have to do something. You have to respond in faith. You have to give up your distraction. And for this guy, it was his wealth. It was his wealth that was distracting him. For others, it might be something else but you have to give these things up and you gotta come follow me. And the man couldn't do it. He couldn't respond the way that Jesus challenged him to do and he missed out on the most valuable thing this entire universe has to offer. And for this guy, this was the one thing that was hindering him from connecting with Jesus. How might God be calling you and me to respond to our distractions today? How might he be inviting to us to take an active step of faith and respond? Maybe he might be calling some of us to set some limits on some things of our life or to fast something for a while that's distracting us from God or just rearrange and prioritize our day to make more time for God, to change something in our lifestyle. Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 12, very first two verses, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and entangles us and fix our eyes on him. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we have to do something. We have to respond. We have to put our faith in action and get rid of those distractions. 
so that we can be connected with God. You know, we just, we just celebrated Easter last weekend. We just we celebrated this amazing reminder that, of the power of, of Jesus' resurrection. You know, and that was just last week. And I wonder, and I, I've been thinking about this all week long about myself, how am I responding to that? That story I've heard so many times. Have my, has my life begun to look different this week? Or is it the same as always? Have I not really changed anything? I believe if we're willing to even show the smallest baby step response towards God, that he is quick to meet us and run towards us. Remember, it's Jesus who says that he is willing and quick to leave the 99 sheep to go rescue the one that got distracted and wandered off and got lost and left the safety of the flock. We forget sheep are creatures that tend to stay together, that they, you know, they, they, if one gets lost, it's because they got distracted. And Jesus goes after him. He longs to be connected with us. See, if, if God only was sort of interested with being connected with us, or maybe a little bit, there's no way he would have had Jesus die on the cross. He, he knew he had, to go, he had to go that far. He had to go that far because he wants to be connected completely with all of us. But like eating healthy and exercising, we can recognize the things that need to change and we can respond with great intentions only to be right back where we are a short time later consuming our old unhealthy distractions. So what do we do? We have to build in regular reminders. And that's the third point in your notes. We have to remind ourselves regularly In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter six, Moses is talking to the people of Israel and this is what he says. This is what he says. In verse four, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then verse seven, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses tells the people that if, you're, if we're gonna stay connected to God, if we're gonna love God with everything we have, if we're gonna stay in right relationship with him, then, then we, we have to have reminders around us. God knows we're gonna fail at this. We have to build up regular reminders. And we see in this passage, very first thing that kind of reminders is that we need to talk about God often with other people. We need to talk about God often with others, our family, our kids, our close friends, and all the time, not just on a Sunday morning. Not just when we have extra time because we know there will never be extra time. We'll always be distracted with other things. We need to talk about him when we're relaxing and hanging out, when we're going somewhere in our car. We need to talk about him at the beginning of the day when we wake up and eat breakfast with our kids and late at night when we're lying in bed going to sleep next to our spouses. People who try to have a relationship with God all by themselves who don't talk regularly to other people about their faith, about their questions, about their doubts, about the things that God is doing in their lives, 
I honestly, I have no idea how they could maintain a healthy relationship with God. I'm not saying it's not possible. It might be. I just know I couldn't do it because I get way too distracted way too easily. Second thing we see in this passage is that we need to have physical reminders around us. The Jewish people took this very literally, this verse. They would, many of them would tie these little leather containers to their forearms. And inside these little containers would have little pieces of paper that had Old Testament verses on them. And everywhere they would go, they would wear these, wear these verses as a reminder that they are God's people. They're connected to him. And, and the verses would be written on the door frames of their houses and on their gates. So when they would go and leave for the day and then come home, they would be reminded of, of whose they are, that they're God's people. The other day I went around my house and I counted 24 different signs, paintings, magnets, pictures, different objects around my house, just about every room that had some sort of Bible verse or cross or reference to God. And my first thought is this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Like if you took all these things off and put it in one room and on one wall, it would look like you were in an, stuck in an aisle at Hobby Lobby or something like that. Like, or a Christian retail store. And I thought, well, why do we do this? Why do my wife and I do this? Is it because we want to look religious when our friends come over? No. Is it because we're so godly? No, probably the opposite, actually. It's because we, we forget all the time. We get distracted all the time. And I need to walk in every room in my house and remember that and see those things. You know, uh, a while back, you know, like many of us, I realized my phone was a major distraction for me. I was looking at it all the time, at just random times of the day, for no reason. And so I thought to myself, should I just, how can I get rid of this, or what should I do with this? Well, I can't get rid of it. But what if I actually used it to my benefit of relationship with God, instead of to hurt my relationship with God? So I, 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 I set four alarms on my phone, Four alarms, go ahead and put that next slide up there. This is, this is what, these are screenshots of my four alarms that go off. There's one at 7.30 in the morning when I'm getting going for the day, one at noon, kind of around the you know, midday time, lunchtime, around that time. Five when I'm coming home, and at, right before bed, 10.30 when I'm going to sleep. And these, my phone just buzzes, and these are the four questions I came up with. There's nothing magical about those questions. But what they do is four times a day, that rings on my phone, and and it's a reminder to engage with that, in that question with God, to have a conversation about those things with God. And so if I have a super busy day, which is most days, and I'm very distracted, I can at least go to the end of the day and realize at least four times I had a conversation with God today, at least that many. And for, you know, one, if you're one of the, you know, maybe two people in the room who isn't on your phone all the time. <laughs> uh, and maybe you're not, maybe that's not a distraction for you. There's another thing that I did a few months ago. I realized that my, you know, money is a distraction for me, how I spend my money. And so I, I did, had this idea. I thought I'm gonna put something in my wallet. I put some questions similar to those on a post-it note and I stuck them in my wallet. But I knew if I stuck it in the back of my wallet, I'd never see it again. I'd clean it out a year later and be like, oh yeah, I meant to do that. So what I did is I actually, I keep it wrapped around my debit card. I keep it wrapped around my debit card. 
So every time I take this out to stick that chip in or swipe it, I have to take this post-it note off. I have to look at it. And I have to read those questions. And it gives me an opportunity, even if it's just for a split second, even if I don't have a lot of time to really think about it, even just for a few seconds, to have a quick conversation with God and just realign myself with him. Lost my spot here. Got distracted. (laughs) Distractions aren't going anywhere, are they? They're not going anywhere. But I think if we can recognize what they are, what our core distractions are, if we can actively respond in faith, if we can creatively embed regular reminders in our lives, then we will stay connected with God. And as I alluded to this earlier, the character of God, who he is at his core, is that God desires to be connected with you and me more than anything. More than anything. So if we're willing to simply start taking a step towards him, instead of accepting the slow drift away, he will run to meet you and me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we don't ever have to be disconnected from God in any way. God sees no barriers, no barriers on his end to stay away or keep away from us. We simply have to choose him and keep choosing him and keep choosing him and keep choosing him. Why don't we stand to end off here? At the end of our services, if you're visiting today, we always like to take a few minutes to just respond to what God is doing. Uh, we call this ministry time. And, and so I want to just, let's do this. Let's just take a minute here to let the distractions kind of fade away. And let's just do what we call, just wait on the Lord. Let's just close our eyes and be still and just listen. And just listen to God's voice for a second. I know for many of us that this, this topic is a hard topic to hear. It's not an easy talk to give that, that we know that, this, you know that we're distracted easily. And some of these things I hit on, I know hit sensitive nerves. And I was really preaching to myself pretty much the whole time. But I, I, you know, we talked about we can know, we can recognize our distractions, but but we have to do something about it. And so for, you know, I want to invite some of you to come up and get prayer here today. And, and I think the obvious one is if you recognize that there's something in your life that has been pulling you away from God, then as a first response to just come forward and say, God, I don't know exactly how to, how to change this. I need you to show me how to do that, but I want that. I want to be more connected with you. I want to be more connected with you. And 
And, and maybe you've, you've, you've never said that to God. Maybe you've never said, I want to be connected to you, God. I want to have a relationship with you. Maybe you've, you've heard about God or you, maybe you have a general belief in God, but you've never said, God, I want to, I want to be, I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to have a, start a relationship with you. If that's you, I want to invite you to come get prayer. I know that may be a risk, but I want, as a, just a first response to say, I, I want to take that seriously. And for many of you, I know you're seasoned followers of Jesus, but maybe there's something in your life that you just realize, yeah, that has creeped in and is distracting me. And I just want to, I just want to repent of that. I just want to, to change that, to take a step towards God in that. So I want to invite that main group to come up, but there's a couple other things I want to invite up for too. I was, I was preparing this talk and thinking about this all week. I had a real compassion and, and a lot of empathy for those of you who struggle with attention disorders. You know, I've, I've worked with kids for a long time and I have a, all, every year I have a lot of students who struggle with attention disorders. And I, and I watch how hard it is for them. And I watch how sometimes other kids mistreat them. And, and, uh, and what, what I don't think a lot of people know is I think a lot of people assume that they'll just grow out of that. But the truth is, most kids don't grow out of it. It's something that they struggle with their whole life. And I know that for many of you, you, you maybe you've never been diagnosed with anything. Maybe you have. But you've always kind of suspected that maybe you have some sort of attention issue that it create, it can really be very damaging. And not, just, and not just that it's hard to pay attention or it's hard to, it's easily distracted for you, but that it's, it causes emotional damage because, because you've been mislabeled as stupid or, or other things. And I think, I think God wants to do some healing in that area today for those of you. Maybe you're a teen or an adult and you've struggled with that. I want to encourage you to come and get prayer for that. And the third thing is, that I had was just kidneys. I had just a, a sense that God wanted to, if you have kidney issues, if you have chronic kidney infections or kidney stones or you're on dialysis or anything like that, if, if you have any kidney issues, I want to invite you to, to come get prayer. And I think, JT, you had a word too, didn't you? Yeah, um... Uh, there are some some folks here this morning who, you know, your heart is 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 for the most part really in the right place. Like you really really want to connect to God, and you try to connect to God, but there seems to be this like block. Like it seems like every time you sit down to connect with Him, you 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 just can't. And I felt like the Lord was saying that there is there is a, a spiritual element to that that. Um, you know, there's an enemy who doesn't want you to connect to God. And I felt like if, if, you, if that's a struggle for you, when you sit down to try to connect to God, you don't feel anything, you just can't for some reason. Um, I feel like the Lord wants to bring deliverance to that and bring freedom to that. That's good. That's good. So if any of those things apply to you, you know, I want to encourage you to come and, and get, start to make your way forward and get prayer for that. Ben's going to lead us in one last worship song and, and then we'll end off the service. So. Come on up and get prayer for those things. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living home. And we're going to need lots of prayers. 
Some more women over here in the front. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord.
you're if you're getting prayer out front, just continue to to experience God right now. Don't rush it. Just t- connect with Him. Just connect with Him. For those in our seats, I I'm going to end with kind of a closing prayer, but I want to pray the verse I started with. And 1 Peter, I want to pray this over us. 1 Peter 4, 7. And Peter reminded the early Christians, he said this, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind. Don't be distracted so that we can pray, so that we can be focused and connect with our God. Lord, help us to learn how what that looks like. Help us to learn how to do that. Help us to recognize the things that are blocking us and pulling us away from regularly connecting with you. Show us how you want us to respond this week and in the coming weeks. And help us to be creative in establishing regular reminders in our lives so that we may be continually connected and reconnected and reconnected firmly to you, God. And I pray, Lord, that we would see immediate and quick fruit of that this week, that we would experience you so much, that as we pray, we would hear your voice, that as we worship you, we would, we would, we would feel your presence, that as we read your scriptures, that they would come alive and that it would be a contagious thing that we would catch hold of it. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, I'd love to meet you. I know some of the other pastors, we'd love to meet you and give you a gift back at the visitor's welcome. Have a great rest of your Sunday. God bless you guys.